Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. sonobello.com slash save. sonobello.com slash save. This is A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. A retired U.S. Lieutenant Colonel, Kevin Randall has been studying UFOs for nearly 50 years. Kevin has investigated some of the most famous UFO cases in the world and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries about UFOs. Considered one of the leading experts into the Roswell UFO crash of 1947, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs, including the recently published Roswell in the 21st Century. Now, here is the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. And welcome to this part two of a special edition of A Different Perspective. I'm here with John Greenwald and Tony Bregalia. We've been talking about Tony's uh, receipt of a number of documents through FOIA that suggest to him evidence, proof that the Pentagon, the Pentagon has admitted that they have um, alien debris and they've been doing reverse engineering on it, and John's uh, contrary view that the documents are interesting and detail research into some very extraordinary things, but the uh, connection between Roswell and aliens is not evidenced in the documents. I think that's where we are on that. When we went away, Tony was talking about um, his research and his con- his. Um, ideas on this, and I had to interrupt him because we had to take the break here. So, Tony, if you'd like to carry on where you were. Uh, yeah, it refreshed my memory. We were, uh, we were in a new program here, so we left off, Kevin, discussing specifically which area. You had been going on about um, talking to the uh, CEOs of companies and how your research has led you yes, into the conclusions uh, yes, where you are. Yes, yes, yes. yes. And, and uh, in the area of technology transfer and how uh, material uh, from the black world finds itself uh, in the wide open in the public. And I think that uh, I had discussed earlier uh, Philip Corso, a known uh, hoaxer, who had been uh, high up in government in the 1960s and who had maintained that he was involved in technology transfer of uh, materials that had been uh, recovered at Roswell and brought them into the uh, real world. And um, I think that some folks have said, well, gee, your uh, thesis here sounds very Corso-like. And in fact, uh, when I hear that, I cringe because 
there really is technology transfer that goes on all the time in the real world and has nothing to do with people like Philip Corso or how he says it goes down. Um, because in point of fact, a lot of things are top secret, but eventually they do make their way into the real world. They have to. That's the whole purpose. But it's the way in which they reach that uh, that uh, status, uh, the way in which they get into the real world, the time it takes to do so, and the com compartmentalization that goes on in order to have it done in, in a way that doesn't jeopardize security. And in many ways, I think this is exactly what has happened with the material that uh, I've received. Um, this material can easily be said by a Pentagon spokesperson to be related to weaponry. On the other hand, it can also relate to UFOs because of its UFO-like um, characteristics. So it but Tony, makes it very Tony, easy. Yeah. Um, you had mentioned Bob Bigelow as having created some facilities, I guess, in Las Vegas to uh, do research, research, reverse engineering on these materials. Uh, to store the uh, material uh, for study. Okay, and uh, Bob Bigelow has denied this. Right, and George Knapp, in a very recent interview with Bob uh, uh, Bigelow, which is predictably excellent and provided much insight into many of the things uh, people like me want to know more about, uh, talks about that. Uh, Robert Bigelow has an interview with uh, George Knapp on mysterywire.com. And here we can hear Bigelow talk incredibly about uh, James Lukatsky, who is uh, the rocket scientist and UFO point person at the DIA, who was the program manager for the program that released the documents that I received. And in um, and I can and will get to you the YouTube URL, because we want to reference things. But uh, uh, Bigelow uh, uh, met with Lukatsky. Uh, Lukatsky said some incredible things. Bigelow says this on tape in George Knapp's recent interview. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Bigelow's an interesting character. He says many things to many people. Sometimes okay, he Tony, contradicts. Tony, let's okay. give John a chance to step in here. John. Sure. Yeah, um, so, uh, yeah, thanks for bringing me back. So, <laughs> a couple I, I didn't want you to go to sleep, so there uh, you go. No, and I appreciate that, although I could use some with my kids. They never let me sleep. So, uh, that being said, uh, I, a couple things. Uh, Tony had made reference to the science. And, you know, I am not a scientist. I've never claimed to be one. And if Tony wants to school me on his scientific background, that, that's all fine. Uh, but my point stands with the fact that the science that I'm hearing about uh, does not necessarily connect it to alien material. The government has done fringe research on all sorts of th different things for many, many decades, including what we're talking about and even far beyond it, and that doesn't necessarily make it alien. But if we are talking about experience, there is one thing that I do have experience about. I never pat myself on the back, and I'm not doing that now. But with Tony's argument about his science, and that's what is uh, his main brunt of his argument, is, is what we're dealing here uh, with here scientifically, uh, my background is FOIA. And the reason why I bring that up is because out of 10,000 requests, I can cite numerous examples of what then has become the, the foundation of Tony's argument, which is, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, but my FOIA request was clear as day. I mentioned UAPs, ergo, this is all UAP related. And 
in my experience, that is not how the FOIA works. There is what I call exactly responsive and loosely responsive. I touched upon that in the last couple of segments we did on this program. Uh, but to drive the point home again, I know Tony doesn't want to deal with this, but I will ask the question again. I can cite numerous examples, one of which is in the article that I published that I know upset Tony. And I know he didn't like it, so he has seen this and has had ample time to address it. I can cite a FOIA request where I said nothing but UFO material. That's what I was looking for. And in response, I get World War II schematics for a flying wing design from the Nazi Horton brothers. Now, I'm beating this dead horse because the foundation of Tony's argument has been that leads the way to his scientific background to prove this is alien, has been this FOIA request in the way that it's worded. And how is it that I can cite not only this army example, but actually numerous ones where I ask for something, but what I get is loosely responsive. Now, why was the Horton brother flying wing design loosely responsive? Well, to be short, they called it a flying saucer in some circles. And to the FOIA action officer, they wanted to make sure that although they didn't think that this was exactly responsive to what I was looking for, they were making an effort to be as transparent as possible, not play word games, and try and fulfill my request. So the foundational argument of this that then leads into the scientific debate, and, and to be honest with you, I don't care about the scientific debate simply because there is so much science out there on this very stuff uh, that has been argued. Uh, if you're ready to make the argument that all of this stems to, to alien, then that is Philip Corso-like. And as much as you don't want to admit it, that those are the same claims that we've heard for decades, but never had any type of confirmation of that. So going back to my, my real-world examples of the experience and background that I've had, why is it that your foundation relies on something that I can show you, but you don't want to look at it, but I can show you that there's proof of what I'm saying? Why can't you acknowledge that? Tony. Okay. Here, can, okay. Tony, go ahead. Oh, thank you. Those weren't crickets. That was actually the sound of uh, incredulity. I, I just can't believe what I'm hearing. In a similar way than when I talked to you on your show a couple of days ago, those weren't crickets. That was just me saying, wow, I couldn't believe it. Uh, I don't know, but, you know, I've said this before. If I order a turkey dinner and I get back a hot dog, you know, that's not what I ordered, ma'am. And uh, that's kind of what it sounds like to me. I'm almost sounding like we're in some sort of Kellyanne Conway alternate facts world here where up is down and down is up. Uh, I asked for UFO material and... Gosh, I thought that's what I got. But I can actually speak more directly uh, to all of this. That's because I talked to the guy that sent to me the documents. Now, I would ask you, John, uh, did you phone the individual that held, uh, sent you the Horton Brothers uh, documents? Yes. Okay, and you talked to him a couple times on that? Yep. Okay, well, that's good because I did too with Steve Tominski at the DIA. And uh, you weren't privy to it, and unfortunately I wasn't able to record it because, as you and I both know, we can't really record uh, when we're not being uh, told. And I don't think he would want to have been recorded. But for what I got from him, and which I alluded to in the emails that you've received, uh, rather you've read, is that he understood I was referring to UFOs. 
and UAPs, we didn't even talk about weapons. Yes, it was a weapons program, and we talked about acronyms for weapons programs, but it was as clear as day and as clear as I'm being with both of you right now on the phone. Uh, yeah, folks, I'm on the phone. Uh, is that uh, we were referring to UFOs. I wasn't talking about hot dogs or turkey dinners. You know, uh, I, I guess I just don't get it. Well, um, when okay. I hear I'm... from you, excuse me, when I hear from you that we're talking about something completely different than what was requested, it's almost like you and I are looking at the same documents, the same emails, and we're really just looking at totally different things. It's amazing to me, but you know, isn't that the way of the world today? Uh, that, uh, you know, 50% of us look in things one way and 50% are completely different. And we're looking at the same things. So I think what we need to do maybe is look at who's given us this material. Who's saying that this is weapons? And John keeps on talking about Susan Koff, the Pentagon spokesperson uh, who has uh, propagated all of this uh, misinformation. And I'd like to talk about her and about John and about her response to John and his associates relative to these documents. I think it's real important that we talk about where John's getting his information from and who this woman is. Okay. Lead us down that path a you little bit. You got it. A little uh, bit. Sure. Yeah, you got it. John's been receiving information, and people have been receiving information from a woman named Susan Koff. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. Goff. There you go. It, it, uh, it rhymes with cough. Susan Goff. And she is the Pentagon spokesperson, and officially her title is Pentagon spokesperson and strategic planner. And this is the woman who uh, has told folks that this uh, documents that I received uh, related to weapons programs only and not to UFOs, as the DIA uh, said to me. So, um, interestingly enough, I did a deep dive on this woman because she's really a lot of the problem here. And it's not an unfamiliar name to people, to listeners of your show, Kevin. Uh, but she's the one that released uh, the statement uh, that she's aware of me and of the social chatter around my uh, article. Tony, uh, in let fact, me, she. Tony, yeah, Tony, let me break go in ahead. Here. We'll, get, we'll get back to Susan Koff right after, right after this, but I got to take a break. You got it. I am here with Tony Brigalia. His website is www.ufoexplorations.com. UFO Explorations, all one word, all lowercase. And I'm with John Greenwald, he of the Black Vault fame. And his website, of course, is www.blackvault.com, I believe. As I look at the page, blackvault.com. Oh, the Black Vault www.theblackvault.com. There we go. Mine is, of course, www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. When we come back, we'll get a little bit more information about Susan Golf and what uh, she had to say and what her responses were to some of this hoopla that was created um, by the release of these documents. So we'll talk about that with John Greenwald and Tony Bregalia right after this. So please stick around.
the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Geico asks, how would you love a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. And when it comes to great rates on insurance, Geico can help. Like with insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. Even help with homeowners or renters coverage. Plus, add an easy-to-use mobile app, available 24-hour roadside assistance and more, and GEICO is an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save. It's easy. Simply go to GEICO.com or contact your local agent today. I am joined by Tony Bregalia of the ufoexplorations.com website, and John Greenwald of theblackvault.com website. I want to make sure I got the Black Vault in there because I kind of botched it in the last segment there. We were talking about the Pentagon spokesman who had responded to some of, I guess, the queries from various people about what uh, Tony had said uh, when he received these documents. And I interrupted you, Tony, to go away to the break, so well, please, Tony, pick it up there. Yeah, uh, uh, she actually, it's a Pentagon spokesperson, Susan uh, Koff, had uh, very little to say to me, in fact, nothing so far, but to others, uh, and that was kind of strange in and of itself, uh, but uh, she uh, said that, again, this uh, release by the DIA uh, really had uh, nothing to do with UFOs, but rather uh, had to do with uh, uh, an advanced weapons program. And technically, she's correct, given the title of the program, but uh, she's entirely incorrect, and in fact, she's lying. And I learned so much about her, and I know that John has dealt with her uh, over a long period of time, and I think this is an area that maybe we can also talk about together, John, uh, because she's an interesting woman, and I know you probably know a lot about her, uh, and uh, I've learned a lot about her, and she's the one that's kind of the thorn in my side. Uh, can you imagine, or maybe you can, uh, being talked about and being told that you didn't get what you really got, and you see it with your own eyes, but a woman, a stranger that you don't even know, says, no, that, that's not what we've sent to you. We sent you something on weapons, not on UFOs. And it was, it's extraordinary to me because she had no um, involvement in the process of fulfillment of the request, uh, only heard about it much later, uh, I'm sure, uh, perhaps had heard about it a little bit because of the nature of her work, but didn't get involved in the processing of it. She had to react. And um, <clears throat> right now I think she's plotting her next uh, uh, public move on this because, yes, Kevin, she's selectively communicated with, with others uh, inquiring about this issue, but it's appalling that she's ignored me. And, you know, I've had that happen before to me where, People write things about me or even do videos about me, but they don't even call me or contact me before they do that. Well, Tony, let's... In this case, she's... In this case, don't worry. In this case, she's uh, plotting her next move while she ignores me. Uh, she has referred to me as social chatter. You know, I guess I've been called worse. Okay, Tony, John, let's, uh, yeah. let's, get, let's give John a chance. John, you know the woman... Well, I was going to tell you a little bit about what she was doing. And uh, Tony, a bit about Tony, what she's Tony, planning Tony, for you. Yeah. Tony, it's John's turn. You got John, it. Tell me, tell me what you can about the woman. 
Sure. Um, and I'm going to resign to the fact that 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 uh, respectfully, Tony just will not address the foundational argument that he is putting forward. The fact that I can cite numerous examples of why what he is saying is not true. And I'm sorry, I have to bring that up again, because that is the foundation of what he is saying. That John? He's accusation. No, it leads into Susan Goff. Okay. Go yeah, ahead, John. So it, it leads into Susan Goff simply because if he doesn't want to address that, that whole argument falls apart. What's, what Tony is trying to say about Susan Goff is she's ignoring Tony, but talking behind his back. And that is not necessarily true. I went to Susan Goff as a spokesperson because who speaks for the DOD is Susan Goff on these issues. It's not that I want to talk to her. It's that I have to. So there's a protocol for how they react to final determination of FOIA requests in this particular instance, Tony's. And once the action officer made the final determination, that action officer does not represent the agency on any disputes. The action officer does not, not uh, head the appeal and the action officer is not the attorney should it go to ju judicial review. They have different departments and different people. In various instances, depending upon the case and the agency, you will either talk with the, the either the lead FOIA officer for that particular agency, a spokesperson for that agency, or in this particular case, the DOD as a whole. As we all know, the, DO, uh, the DIA is part of the DOD. So therefore, everything got funneled to Susan Goff. Now, why did she respond to me? Well, one thing that I saw that was pretty evident was Tony, by his own admission, can get fairly heated. And in reference to that, in that DIA back and forth between Tony was references to a lawsuit. So I had asked Tony about this and he confirmed that he threatened a lawsuit if he was not going to be treated appropriately. And uh, through FOIA, that is, in the eyes I didn't of the- use, I didn't threaten, but we'll get to that. Well, I was going to I was going to ask you about that, Tony. Yes, um, well, well, let him speak, uh, and I will speak right to that Tony, directly. Tony, 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 it's my show. We'll do it my way. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought he was still talking, Kevin. John, go ahead. So, when you tell a FOIA officer before you even get a final determination that you're going to uh, file a lawsuit. Uh, the, f the phraseology, the expression, whatever you want to call it, is yes, you're threatening a lawsuit if they don't do X, Y, and Z. To the eyes of a FOIA officer, that's where it becomes potentially problematic. They don't want to see that just as much as FOIA requesters don't want to pay for that. And so they are going to kind of try and get around that. And, and that's what leads me to my whole argument is not only does the foundation not, not hold any weight whatsoever, but on top of that, when you start using that type of language, the FOIA officer just wants to be done with it. I'm not speaking for Steve by any by any means. I'm just talking about that's a that's a that's an approach that's not very welcomed. So when I hear that Tony's not getting a response from the spokesperson, well, it doesn't surprise me because if that language is being kind of bantered around, um, she doesn't have to respond to me or Kevin or Tony or anybody. She really doesn't. She does have an obligation to, 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 to some extent, but not to us. She just doesn't. So it doesn't surprise me that, that she ignored Kevin and, or excuse me, uh, Tony. And, and, um, and on top of that, yeah, there's an insinuation that I'm somehow working with the Pentagon so I can get these FOIA dumps of, 
of material. Well, as Kevin can attest to, I have fought for decades uh, in, in some instances for these records. So I don't just wait around for them to send me material and I'm in cahoots with them. I fight and I fight hard. So that insinuation is wrong. But going back to the John, Susan thing, John, let me ask you a question. Sense. Have Go you ever it. filed suit or suggested a lawsuit in, in, in response to a FOIA request that maybe didn't come through? No, but I have done numerous appeals. And, and, and I have received documents that have never seen the light of day, many tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of previously top secret, secret and classified records, uh, and have gotten that a long way. So the, 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 the saying that you're going to threaten a lawsuit and, and, and having that as a tactic uh, is not one that works. And in, in fact, it's, it's not really an everyday occurrence when it comes to the FOIA, simply because if you play your cards right, it's not necessarily needed. So you're suggesting that uh, the, the lawsuit may have ended the communication between Tony and Susan Koff. When it came to the spokesperson, Susan Goff, yes. I now, again, I'm, not, I'm just, this is an opinion. I'm not speaking for the Pentagon, obviously. But yes, I believe that that would play a role in her going, okay, I'm not going to deal with this. And quite frankly, I don't blame her. When it comes to the FOIA officer, my answer is different. I believe a FOIA officer would want to circumvent the appeal, which would then go to a judicial review. Why a, a lawsuit would be brought up before a final determination is made, that's not how the FOIA works. But regardless, uh, when a FOIA officer hears that, uh, yeah, they're just going to try and get it done and over with. And that's not a, in my opinion, a very uh, conducive method to using the FOIA. You may get your response a little quicker, maybe, I don't know. But uh, it just obviously is a cause for more confusion. Tony. Yes, uh, just, you know, jaw dropped. Uh, <clears throat> I, I have to kind of recover here. Um, the... Uh, use of the word threaten is uh, telling. Uh, John uses the word threatening a lawsuit. I would say initiate a lawsuit. What's the difference? And, uh, well, there's, I'm, I'm going to tell you uh, in just a second here. Uh, the word threat has a connotation uh, of evil intent. Uh, my interest is in extracting information legally and lawfully and uh, it's amazing to me that John has never had a lawsuit. Uh, perhaps his uh, problems with FOIA had been resolved through uh, other means, um, and he didn't get to that point. Um, but uh, for him to characterize a lawsuit to secure information uh, from the government, uh, to me, is stunning. Uh, folks do this all the time. In fact, uh, I consulted two, uh, two law firms in the D.C. area, that do just that, uh, preeminent law firms, to help me if I needed to get to that point. And, uh, Tony, for him to Tony, Tony, John wasn't yeah. suggesting that, that, that people hadn't sued uh, for, uh, on the basis of FOIA. He was merely suggesting that it's not necessarily the best path to follow before you get through the appeal process. Well, gee, I think he was uh, characterizing it as threatening and that it bothered the sensibilities of Sue. Uh, which is interesting, too, in that, no, the first time I wrote to Sue, I never threatened her with a lawsuit, if that's what you want to say, threaten. I didn't even mention a lawsuit. It was the second time that I emailed her. <laughs> and there's a huge difference. She ignored me the first time, John. 
I've got uh, to tell you, Tony, I've got to tell you, I have been threatened with lawsuits my entire ufological No, I see. Era. I didn't threaten. I did not threaten this. Tony, Tony, listen to me. I have been threatened by wow. lawsuits. I take it, even though they say if we're, you, know, you don't do such and such, a lawsuit will be filed. That's a threat. If you don't respond in kind, uh, we'll, we'll talk to attorneys. That's a threat. I'm telling you that in my entire ufological career, it's not a good year if I haven't been threatened at least once or twice by a lawsuit of some nature. And so I think that you're splitting a fine hair here mm, when you no, suggest you didn't threaten. No, threat no, it's a hugely different. It's hugely different to sue an individual, a personal individual, than it is to uh, sue a government agency for information. If I try to sue Kevin Randall because he you know, took money from me, uh, that's wholly different than me uh, initiating a lawsuit to a government agency to uh, secure information that's lawfully uh, do me. I mean, to make the analogy is I don't see it. But in any event, uh, the central point is that Sue didn't get back to me. Uh, John is correct, though, uh, and points out well that the FOIA officer, Steve, was very, very communicative with me. Uh, and yes, I did say to him, gee, I, you know, I don't want this to go to a lawsuit because I'm, I'm getting this, this, this weird uh, thing from you about me having requested uh, an amendment to my request, and I never did that. And uh, we talked about that, and he said, Tony, I get calls all the time from all kind of people threatening all kind of things. I'm still going to work with you. He was a delight. And, uh, again, this is the issue I'm having with John. Uh, this is the issue I'm having with uh, other folks. Uh, I, again, had the benefit of speaking with this individual, as confirmed by my reference to the conversations with him in my emails, in my article. And uh, he was... Uh, very understanding of what I was looking for. Uh, the fact that we talked about a lawsuit, if it didn't go through. Uh, gee, I got to tell you something, though. Once I start mentioning lawsuit, within just a couple months, I got what I was looking for. Isn't that interesting? Well, Tony, let me let me break in here. We, uh, John, yeah, I'll but I still want to get back to Sue. I want to still get back to Sue because well, we kind of diverted there. Uh, John, I'll let you respond when we come back from the break, but I got to take a break here. So I, I know you're there, John, so I'll, I'll be back to you. Uh, the websites are ufoexplorations.com. That's Tony's website where he's published his articles about his experiences with gathering this material and how it's gone about. Uh, John's is theblackvault.com, which is loaded with, I think, 2 million-plus documents relating to UFOs and other aspects of interesting things, including the FBI files on UFO researchers and things of that nature. Mine is www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. It is, uh, I'll have more information up here, up there, um, for you to take a look at and learn a little bit more about that. And I do want to mention that there are other fine programs on the X-Zone Broadcast Network at xzbn.net. So we'll be back right after this, so please stick around.
the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. I am here with John Greenwald and Tony Pagalia. We're talking UFOs, government documents, FOIAs, and a whole bunch of stuff like that. Once again, the websites are where John Greenwald is www.theblackvault.com, and for Tony Bregalia, it is www.ufoexplorations.com. Um, when we went away, uh, Tony was wrapping up his discussion here. Uh, John, I know you had a comment that you would like to make, so uh, jump in with it, would you please? Yeah, I mean, I think the lawsuit and the word threat is 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 extreme semantics. I mean, I I, I chuckled when Tony was uh, referring back to the conversation he had with the FOIA officer, and when he brought up the lawsuit, even the FOIA officer, according to Tony, said, "Hey, I got people that call me all the time and threaten lawsuits, but I'm I'm going to work with you." So, why we're stuck up on that word, I'm 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 not really sure. the 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 fact remains, the lawsuit changes things and not for the better. I, I truly believe that. If Tony felt that he got a response months later and that was all because he dropped the L word, cool. I mean, uh, you know, all the more power to him. But uh, it, it, it again goes to the root why I believe that maybe the communication is a little lacking because at this point they fulfilled their legal obligation. Uh, and and yet again, Tony is making the argument that he was so clear with the FOIA officer on what his request was but he still doesn't want to address multiple citable examples. And, and I'm not beating the dead horse here uh, because I want to, but rather the dead horse is being beaten uh, by Tony as the foundation of his argument. So until he can explain why I can show those same exact examples, but I'm not going to go running around touting, you know, uh, Nazi Horton brother design as flying saucer UFO alien material. Uh, I'm all ears. But until then, that foundation just is not strong. Well, yeah, me, I'll let, tell let you. Me, okay. Let me take the conversation a little bit different direction, Tony. Uh, can Did I you... respond to that at all? Or, or... Okay, respond to it quickly, please. Yeah. Well, I was just going to say it's really rich for someone who's been uh, uh, filing for FOIAs for 25 years to have never filed a uh, lawsuit. I think it's very telling on several different levels. Uh, you have a very nice, uh, some would say cozy, relationship with the government agencies to get these uh, FOIA dumps. So it doesn't surprise me that you've never uh, had to or even considered, apparently, initiating, uh, not threatening, 
uh, a lawsuit. Uh, Tony, we've beaten that dead horse. We've beaten that dead horse quite a bit here, and I'm going to say I've been filing FOIA requests for 20, 25 years, and I've never initiated a lawsuit either, and I've gotten what I wanted, sometimes years later, but not what I wanted. But you've come out with some uh, pretty strong statements, statements in the past um, that I think have harmed your credibility somewhat. Um, I'm thinking of your take on Herbert Dick, and I know I'm taking a, a, a curve here, but I think it's illustrative. Um, you've put up on your, on your, um, your website at ufoexplorations.com an article about the Plains of San Augustine, and in that you talk about Herbert Dick, who was an archaeologist, uh, anthropologist, who was working on the Plains of San Augustine in July of 1947. And I'll get to my point. I can I can hear the judge in the background saying relevance, relevance. Um, what you did in your on your website, uh, you mentioned that Herbert Dick categorically denied he had ever worked around the plains of San Augustine, San Augustine region in July of 1947. And then you you later say it turns out that Dick lied to these researchers. These researchers being me, by the way, when he, when he was interviewed by them. And, and you kept talking about how his lies were used to cover up his involvement and that uh, Art Campbell found a document in the Harvard yes, Library. Yes, the late, the late uh, Art Campbell, who uh, I conversed with and I shared yes, this with yes, you. Yes, 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 yes. And he that put the article up on the, uh, from the Harvard Archive uh, yes, where Dick Tony, said that he was somewhere else that he wasn't. No, Tony, Tony, I talked to the guy. Okay. I talked. I, I don't know how this is relevant to. Uh, because I'm, I'm, because I'm, I don't have what you're talking about before me, and Tony, uh, I'd like I to continue because we're going like uh, way. I don't. Uh... Tony, I will get there. Okay. Thank you. What my point is this is you have called Herbert Dick a liar. You say that he was not, he claims he was categorically denied he was ever worked around the plains of San Augustine. Right. We showed the documentation, Art Campbell and I. From the Harvard Archive, Tony, you saw it. Don't make me mute you, Kevin. I don't. I don't know what you're. Okay. Wow. Yes, because you keep interrupting. Are you okay? Are you listen? Okay, Tony, go ahead. Shut up and listen. Thank you. My uh, I, I'll talk to you later, Kevin. Thank you. Um. Well, that one. It's yeah. now you and me. <laughs> For those who are listening, the point was that I had talked to Herbert Dick. Tony had said that he was a liar. He never talked to the guy. He came out with his very strong and very bold language about a man he never talked to. Herbert Dick told me he had been on the plains of San Augustine in July of 1947. The problem was he didn't remember the day he got there. Mm -hmm. And that's what Art Campbell discovered, was that he had gotten there on July 1st, which becomes relevant to the discussion of a UFO crash on the plains of San Augustine, because Dick was there in a position to have observed it. And I wanted to get all of in all of this with Tony, simply because it it shows the strong language he uses and how his opinions um, are are morphed into, uh, I guess, his belief structure. And when I asked him about it, he said that these denials had been reported in the early 1990 issues of the IUR, International UFO Reporter. I asked Tony about it, and he said he couldn't come up with the reference. He didn't have the reference. And I can tell you it's not there because I talked to Herbert Dick. Herbert Dick was very clear 
on that he had worked on the plains of San Augustine in July of 1947. What Art Campbell did was pin down the exact date. Tony did not allow me to get to that point. Yeah. And that's where I was going with it to show that um, there have been instances where Tony has been wrapped up in his mantle of, of boldness, uh, suggesting things that turned out to not be true. He didn't talk to Herbert Dick. I did. That's where I was going with it, uh, John. So no, uh, any and, comment? Uh, and now that I've heard your complete thought, I mean, I, I think it does play into the bigger picture. And, and I, I wish that Tony would, would stick it out and, and give his side but one thing that I've noticed after doing uh, these shows with you and him and my own show with him is that he, he has become very, dare I say, masterful at dodging the actual question. And he goes into trying, his, trying to prove his point with something because I believe he truly believes what he's talking about is true. And it's same with the example that you just gave, which I just kind of heard for the first time in detail. Um, another example that I would throw in there, uh, which I know he doesn't uh, like to talk about, is the Roswell slides. John, uh, let me let me interrupt you just before we get into that. I wanted to say I've got an article that I will p uh, put up on my blog at www.kevinmandel.blogspot.com that covers this whole uh, Plains of San Augustine thing and Herbert Dick so that the people can get the whole picture of that. Uh, I think Tony published the article in 2010. Um, you were mentioning the Roswell slide, so let's go there. And, and again, I mean, I wish he was here because this is all stuff that I would bring up to him and say, look, there have been instances, it sounds like what with what you just gave, uh, Roswell slides is another prime example that I think after so many years, and, and Tony's not the only one that would fall victim to this, I'm sure, you know, myself, yourself, you want to believe something, you're going to try and find connections to make your belief a reality. And I think Roswell Slides with Tony is a prime example, and again, the story that you just gave. Um, when it comes to the, the, the debate at hand with these FOIA requests, I truly believe his long history and memory metal uh, kind of is the same exact thing where he wants this to be confirmation of decades of long work for him. And, and that's fine. I mean, I wish we could have a, a calm conversation about that, but for him to leap and say what he has said and the foundational argument, and forgive me just to cite this one more time, but that foundational argument, cause it all hinges on, on, according to Tony, it all hinges on that FOIA request. And if that is true, if that's his only argument, then sadly, you can just tear that down very easily. And I think that I've probably asked him through your show and mine five times to address it, and he never did. And that's that masterful, well, I'm going to talk about Susan Goff, and I'm going to insinuate John Greenwald is just sitting there like a pawn waiting for documents to come his way and fall on his lap. And, uh, and, and he even uh, was a lot more strongly worded on, on my show, essentially saying that I was like this government stooge. And it's like, you know, it, it, it's funny to laugh at. And I even laughed in my show when he just kept trying to nail that point and it was falling very short. But again, he needs to believe that to make all the other claims that he's making true. And that's where I had talked about in your last show about what I call the I want to believe syndrome. When you want to believe so bad, you will only take the bits and pieces that support your final conclusion because your mind is already made up. 
And I can't tell you how many, I'm only speaking for myself here, but I'm sure this may apply to you as well, Kevin, where when you research something, you may have your theories and opinions. I know I have. But when, that, when more evidence comes out, those theories and opinions will shift. And sometimes uh, you, later you'll draw an absolute downright stone cold conclusion that can never you know, be faltered uh, because the evidence is solid. But as a researcher and investigator, you, you pursue that and you shift a little bit. With Tony, uh, again, I, I, I would say this to him if, if he would let anybody talk. That is what I believe is going on here. And if his foundation is just that request, then it's fallen to pieces. But you can see he doesn't want to look at that. He only wants to look at the evidence that we have. Now, I don't want to just pick on Tony. That is true in a very wide uh, array throughout the what, what we would call the UFO community, where people from well-known to just people that are getting their feet wet, they want to believe X, Y, and Z. And so they will find the evidence to draw that, that uh, to be true versus taking the totality of the evidence. And in, and in my opinion, Tony in this debate is not taking the totality of the evidence. He, he, was, uh, he likes to be a little bit condescending when it comes to other people's lack of knowledge. I've never claimed to be a scientist, and I, and I just don't, I, to be honest with you, I don't care about the molecular structure of, of nitinol because that's not going to prove alien to me. And, and I think that he was stuck on that, that he knows better than everyone else. Ergo, if he says it's alien, it's alien. Uh, the totality of the evidence in my mind is dealing with his foundation uh, and the, the, the foundational argument that he's trying to make. And he will not ever allow anyone else to challenge that. And I think that that's, um, and that's uh, sad. It's a bad approach and it's one that has gotten him in trouble before. Uh, especially with those Roswell slides, uh, especially with what you had just referenced. And I think it's gotten him in trouble now. Well, I, I do want to say I shouldn't have told him to shut up, but I was getting a little frustrated because he wouldn't let me finish the point. I think he may have known where I was going with it. Um, and I was using that point to illustrate basically the Roswell slides because I had agreed with him that I wouldn't mention the Roswell slides when I interviewed him on the program because it wasn't relevant to what I need, where I needed to go. Yeah. So it wasn't... a big concession on my point. I wanted to talk to him about this material and what was going on here. And I think that the point I was trying to make through that, and I think you understood that well and everybody else does, is that he has gotten caught up in these kinds of things before, and this was an example of it, and he won't listen to other people's opinions. He uh, talked about uh, Exxon and the Titanium. I can't find the references in my books that, that, that Exxon ever said anything about titanium. It may be there, and I just missed it. I don't remember him talking about it. If it if it appears, I will of course put it up on my blog where everybody can see that sort of thing, and understand that uh, that was just something I forgot. I do find references to material coming into Wright Field or Wright Patterson Wright Field, I guess at the time, for analysis at their laboratories there. I do find those those references. And, and that's the, the, the problem. I think Tony leaps to conclusions without a good fond, foundation in the evidence. And I, I see in a Witness to Roswell, he talks about titanium in reference to his research there. And I think he is uh, connected 
the uh, titanium to Exxon in some fashion. Um, when we come back, I want to ask you, I saw something uh, just the other day that seemed that you were endorsing part of Tony's thing about the Pentagon admitting something. And I want to get back to that when we come back. So I think that's an important point that we need to talk about as well. Uh, you are listening to A Different Perspective on the Exxon Broadcast Network. So uh, please stick around. The we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. I am back with my guest, John Greenwald. For those of you who've been paying attention and keeping score at home, we lost one of our guests in the last segment. I do want to apologize. I shouldn't have told him to shut up. I was just frustrated with him, constant interrupting and not letting me get to the point. And I think the point would have been understandable, at least to everybody but him, uh, when, when we got to it. When we went away, um, I had mentioned that I'd seen something in the last day or two, John, where you were talking about or you posted something about the Pentagon confirming uh, a report that had just come out. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, and it actually, I think, uh, kind of leads into the arguments that we've been talking about the last couple of episodes. But uh, in short, some material has, has uh, leaked out in the form of some photographs, briefing slides, and a night vision video that was taken by the U.S. Navy, or at least that's how the story was presented. Uh, some of the material was uh, put out and published by George Knapp. Uh, who obviously has a long history of that type of material coming out. Uh, he obviously has sources, uh, many of which uh, will feed him information. The second uh, set of information came the next day by Jeremy Corbell, and that was when the video had surfaced of this night vision. Uh, in my opinion, uh, just at first glance, uh, the video was much more interesting. Videos are always going to be more interesting just because you have some moving images and and potentially more information that you can analyze. Uh, so I had immediately reached out because the moment that the DOD is mentioned, uh, I always uh, go after official material, not only through FOIA, but you, know, you touch base with a spokesperson and you want to see uh, uh, what they would say, if anything. And most of the time with UFOs, they don't uh, have anything to say. To my surprise, they had confirmed to me Friday evening that the material was taken by the U.S. Navy uh, and that it was being utilized by the UAP task force, which I was surprised about. And I immediately wrote an article, a rather quick one, and published it Friday night. And uh, that obviously made quite a few headlines. And then through the weekend, uh, it made it a much bigger story because when they originally published the information, there was no official confirmation. They're all considered leaks. Unclassified, so they say, but leaks nonetheless, because uh, as you know, Kevin, for official use only still needs uh, some type of a vetting process for it to come out. So this uh, material was confirmed. What I couldn't get confirmation on, and this is why I feel it, it, it uh, connects to our debate that we've had these last couple of shows, is uh, what, what they wouldn't co commit to, which was saying that they were unidentified. 
And as we well know throughout history and Project Blue Book, they did have a primer, a reference desk, so to speak, of known objects that investigators could reference. And although I don't know if this is or isn't that, uh, I think that we have to rule that out. And so I tried to get the Pentagon to say, okay, do you guys consider this unidentified or are you are you utilizing this in the UAP task force briefings, but as an example of, look, this is what a balloon looks like at 30,000 feet. Look, this is what a uh, aircraft with a triangular aperture on a night vision camera looks like. You know, what are you guys trying to say? And they wouldn't commit to anything. So we don't know. And why I feel it connects to this debate very quickly is a lot of people, journalists, researchers, curious minds, will immediately connect this to either being alien or a true UFO. Sadly, we don't have that connection yet, but it's that I want to believe thing again, where, well, if the Pentagon says they're authentic, then the story we're being told by this news outlet or this blog or whomever has to be true. And, and it very well may be that, you know, the Navy could come out tonight for all I know and say, yes, uh, we'll, we'll admit it. Those are unidentified, but we don't have it there. But many are leaping to that. And that's where that's where uh, any investigator knows you have to step towards a conclusion. You can't leap. And I think that that's what we see a lot in the UFO community where we just leap to conclusions. You get 10 percent of the story. And then when you talk about it, you think, you know, 100 percent of it. You know, and and I think that that's uh, the exact same issue that we're that we're dealing with with the debate on whether or not this is UAP material that Tony Bergaglia has come out with, or whether or not Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp's information is truly unidentified. We're just missing pieces of the puzzle. Well, I think when we were discussing this before, you mentioned the um, possibly there are drones, some kind of drone project that. Uh, that the Navy might not have been aware of, but a testing of drones or, or something like that. And, and, and we might be moving toward uh, not disclosure of UFO material, but disclosure of, of um, drone technology as it, as it is improving. And I think that's kind of an interesting thing. So you have something that's unidentified, uh, might be a drone, might be an alien spacecraft, but you don't know exactly what it is. And that's the very definition of an unidentified flying object. You don't know what it is. Exactly, exactly. And where I think, you know, I don't believe drones explain all of the UFO phenomena. I do think that there is something more to it. But when it comes to the UAP task force and the DOD's side, what I think is going to happen is they are going to play up the drone angle and what many people aren't talking about is in the leaked briefing slides, which the Pentagon says all of it is, is genuine or authentic, in there, in the actual description, uh, it talks about UAS. Uh, so we know that that's unmanned aerial system, which is essentially a drone. And they, they're not even labeling them, like I'm looking at one of the slides, it's not labeled as a UAP, which is unidentified aerial phenomena but rather they are talking uh, about these objects being UASs, unmanned aerial systems. What's very interesting is it ties into Luis Elizondo's paperwork, getting the three videos that has kind of started this whole hoopla in the last you know, three years plus about UAPs and UFOs and Pentagon secret programs and so on and so forth. That internal paperwork also makes reference to UASs uh, and drones. And a lot of people have tried to change 
what UAS means to unidentified aircraft system or aerial system. Uh, per the DOD, it's unmanned aerial system. That is what UAS is. They have never changed that acronym. So even in the UAP task force briefing, should again all of this be absolutely 100% genuine, and it looks like it is, they are calling these slides UASs, in essence, drones. Some people have tried to make the argument, well, they don't know what else to call them. Well, it's UAP, if that's what they're trying to call it. You know, we know that that is a designation. So, well, John, yeah. John, to be fair, I've yeah. seen documents where um, they're talking about unidentified helicopters, I think yeah. in Loring Air Force Base um, in the in the 1960s 70s. or 70s, mm -hmm. and they were referring to them as unidentified helicopters intruding their air, on their airspace, and they were using helicopters to kind of disguise the... Um, object as because they, they didn't want to admit it was some something they couldn't control it was just some kind of an unidentified helicopter so i think sometimes they they do apply terms to ufos yeah in a way way to kind of disguise exactly what they're talking about no you're you're absolutely right and it's an excellent point that i'm glad you brought up uh my my only counter to that uh if i were to counter at all uh, would be the time frame of the 1970s reports and the and the helicopters versus now, where in 1969 we know in the very early parts of 1970 UFO investigations were done, yet they were uh, still happening as we know with these unidentified helicopters. So for me, I look at that and go, okay, the time frame makes sense for them to to shield what they're talking about. But now they're briefing on UAPs where it's a terminology that they're utilizing. You know, they, they are designating videos that we know for a fact are UAPs. What they are, alien aircraft or whatever, uh, we don't know that yet. But the Navy has put it in writing that UAP is a designation. So that to me is kind of the most striking uh, difference between 1970s where they didn't admit to anything. They said, hey, UFOs are no threat to us. And yet here they are going on to uh, air bases and restricted areas. Uh, but fast forward to 2021, the conversation for them has changed a little bit. Now they are saying that they're looking into unidentified flying objects or unidentified aerial phenomena. So you bring up an excellent point, but there is a slight difference on their stance and their approach, so to speak, because they are a little bit more loose about it uh, now than they were in the 1970s. Well, I would say I would say that the the the, the change of the designation to UAP was because UFO became has come to mean alien spacecraft. So if you say it's a UFO, everybody immediately goes to that point. It's an it's an alien spacecraft. So if you've got an UAP, well, you don't go there immediately. You're looking at an unidentified aerial phenomenon, and it doesn't have the connotation. Unidentified flying object suggests something is flying, and it's an object where UAP is just said it's some kind of phenomenon in the sky. So I think that's a way of avoiding that default setting. Yeah. I mean, and, and admittedly, there's just a lot of confusion around this phenomena as a whole because they are talking about UAPs and and so on now versus decades ago. So it's the conversation has changed. But then again, these drones, going back to your original question, keep coming up and keep coming up in, uh, according to this leak, a classified briefing 
And then in relation to the Luis Elizondo documents that he filed on the videos, also labeled as drones. So you, you could absolutely be right. They're just shielding UAP uh, like UFO. But I just I don't. It, that's a tough argument to make today. Uh, and but again, it's just because there's so much confusion around all of this. They will admit so much in my mind. You know, they've they've come out with a lot of stuff on an official level, admitting to a UAP task force and looking into UFOs and UAPs and so on and so forth. And yet they continue to deny, let's say, Luis Elizondo's involvement in ATIP. And they deny that ATIP had anything to do with UFOs. I can't figure out the motive for that. I mean, you know, when you look at government secrets and conspiracies and so on, I always look for motive because it really kind of helps you figure out why they would do X, Y, or Z. And in this one, I don't really have a, a great answer because the cat's out of the bag. They're admitting they've looked into it. They've admitted that they've made mistakes on statements prior. So it's like if you've admitted to mistakes prior, uh, when you make statements and when you admit that you're looking into UFOs, why can't you just say, OK, you know what? ATIP did have some UFO elements to it or Luis Elizondo did had the program. Oops, we made a mistake. Um, and that's where this whole confusion thing is. And, I, and I'm not trying to change the conversation to Luis Elizondo, but my point is, is that's how much confusion is there. Are we really talking about UASs? Are they shielding UAPs? Why would they feel the, feel the need to do that in a classified briefing document that they felt uh, wouldn't essentially be leaked or at least shouldn't be leaked? And, and those are all questions I don't have answers to. But it's, I think it's in today's world, the, the Pentagon should expect everything to be leaked because everything leaks. Um, I think, but I think if you're looking for motive, motives, you, uh, and, and I hesitate to do this because it's really commercial for my book, UFOs in the Deep State, but I think the Deep State may have part of this. I think if you're looking at the Deep State as a shadow government, it is a very distinct possibility. It's an attempt to divert attention and retain power, and that's what it's all about, is retaining the power. Um, that, and we, we intrude on that a little bit with our UFO uh, research and, and that sort of thing. John, I'm out of time. I got to thank you for sticking around with me. Oh, as always, you know, I always enjoy talking to you. And I'm sorry, uh, the, the debate part ended the way it did. But that, um, that was probably my fault. I should have uh, told him I should have had him muted and, and made the point from that from there on. But I just I, I lost I lost control for there for a moment. And I, I apologize to the, to the audience for doing that. But I think I think it was deserved as well. Um, John, your website is www.theblackvault.com. Anything interesting coming up in the next 10 seconds you can tell me about? Very quickly, a couple stories dropping, uh, which I am finishing up now, waiting for final word, uh, official word from the Pentagon. But they are very, very interesting to just give a little bit of a tease. Um, other than that, always new documents, always new stuff. So definitely check it out. Hey, thank you, John. Talk to you later. Thank you, Kevin. You have a wonderful day. Thanks again. You too. Uh, we've been talking to John Greenwald here. We were also talking to Tony Megalia before he hung up on us uh, about uh, many, many different things. As I say, there's a be a long article about the um, Herbert Dick material on my blog here. In, it would be on the blog now, actually, so that you can take a look at that. I will be back in 167 hours with another episode of A Different Perspective. We'll talk to you then.